0: Welcome back Bible readers. Um, this is the Rooted Podcast, and we are um, getting close to the end of 2021. Um, I keep thinking it's 2020 or 2019. It feels like these last <laughs> couple of years have kind of all been one and the same. But we're in um, 2021. It's October. Uh, this week we're going to be talking about the book of Galatians, and then next week we start a bigger book, which is two weeks on Romans. Ooh. Yeah, so I thought Galatians would be better because Galatians is kind of the get your feet wet before you really talk about the book of Romans, Um, kind of a primer, you might say. Um, So Galatians will be what we're going to talk about today. So the rest of this week, um, uh, you're just going to be reading, I think it's basically um, a chapter every day, I believe it is, and then we'll get into Romans, and then after Romans, uh, we'll get into November and have some readings through the Psalms coming up soon. So you can look forward to that. But today we're going to talk about um, this book that was written by Paul um, to the Galatians. Now, what we do know about Galatians, just in general, is that Galatians was likely the first book that Paul ever wrote. Um, Not the first book written in the New Testament. I believe that would be the book of James. But it's the first one that Paul wrote. So he wrote it early on um, as he began to spread the gospel as you read through the book of Acts. And all the things that happened as a result of Paul's ministry, as he continues to go about and preach the gospel, there was this, I guess, problem that he encountered, and it's kind of why the book of Galatians is written. By the way, just as uh, for information-wise, um, when you come across a New Testament epistle, uh, normally it's written for a reason or to address a specific problem. Isn't that true? Whether it's, it's true. Ephesians, Colossians, true. Philippians, there's always one main problem that he's facing that, that he's trying to address. And if you actually read the book of Acts um, kind of in concert with some of these early epistles that Paul wrote, you realize that at certain points in his journey, he stopped to write to a church about a problem because he had just been there to the church. He had just visited. And you know a few months later, he sits down and pens a letter to them commending their progress or maybe telling them something they need to work on or encouragement or whatever, but it's kind of really to deal with a problem because epistle means teaching or instruction. So just to help you understand when you read through an epistle, there's usually one main focus or main problem. This problem in the book of Galatians, Tim, what's the problem here? You know what the problem is. It's a big problem, right?
1: They had turned from the gospel.
0: Yeah. So they were... um, Judaizers. Yes. It's it's almost similar to the book of Hebrews. Mm -hmm. Kind of like they they were going back or they wanted to go back to the old system, to the old way. Um, So there's a group of people um, in um, this time period. We call them the Judaizers because that's what the text tells us that were basically accusing Paul of uh, not preaching the right gospel, so to speak. They were um, trying to say that. Um, what about the law, Paul? You were a Jew all of your life. You grew up with the law. Now you're saying that the law is not important anymore? That doesn't jive with, with what we've been taught. And so they were kind of accusing Paul of saying, hey, you're a false teacher, Paul. You're, you're carrying the wrong gospel around. And so Paul kind of writes the book of Galatians to combat this heresy that they thought he was teaching. He was not teaching. Um. But he was, or excuse me, they thought he was. So, what do you think? Let's just go down through here, Tim. Uh, Chapter one here. Um, Paul greets these uh, Galatians. He's thankful for them. And he goes in right away. I mean, it's really stark here. Chapter one, verse six. I'm sorry. My phone rang. You'd think that I'd turn that off during a podcast, (laughs) right? I'm sorry. It's off. It's on Mm -hmm. Do Not Disturb, but for some reason somebody wants to call me. Anyway, it starts off in verse 6. It says, He said, I'm shocked that you're turning away so soon from the God who called you to Himself through the loving mercy of Christ. You're not following a different way that pretends to be the good news, but it is not the good news at all. You are being fooled by those who deliberately twist the truth concerning Christ. That's verses 6 and Mm 7. It's pretty strong.
1: It's pretty strong. If, if you notice at the very beginning, he he begins the book rather abruptly. And he, first of all, talks about the resurrection from the dead, mm-hmm. the authentic gospel. Yeah. And then verse 3, verse 4, who gave himself for our sins that he might deliver us from this present evil age. And then he goes into correcting this different gospel. Mm-hmm. One of the the great themes all the way through the book of Galatians that you see in the New King James is the word gospel over and over again. And gospel. I I, when news, I read it I the other day, I it, yeah. just circled it, and you can see in chapter two and yeah. and over and over again. It's true. The authentic gospel, and someone Paul says bewitched them.
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Somebody fooled them. It says uh, mine says. Uh, those who deliberately twist the truth concerning Christ. Um, and, of course, it says, let God's curse fall on anyone, including even us, if we preach a different gospel than what was preached to you. Um, and so there's this issue that they're having to deal with here, and you have these Judaizers, these people in here, who are basically saying to Paul that, Paul, you're preaching the wrong gospel. Yeah, And uh, um, they're still wanting to make the law an important part of the gospel. And so Paul takes the time and basically discusses and says, Yeah, the law was important. There was a role for it in the old system, but now you have this new system through Christ. Why do you want to go back to the old system? Right.
1: And that's what he basically says in verse six. He says, I, I marvel that you're, you've are you turned away so soon. So soon and and yeah. I love those two words from him. Mm hmm who called you into the grace of Christ to a different gospel. So they, they had turned from Christ. And as Pastor Lemming so many times, how many times have we heard him use the expression, you know, to front load the gospel yep. or to back Backload load the, the gospel? gospel. Yep. Yep. And that's what these Judaizers were doing. Yep. Um, they were turning from the, the grace of God to a, a different gospel.
0: And anything you add to the gospel is when pastor says front load or back load. You're just adding something to it as a requirement for salvation. There's no requirements for salvation, only the, except the fact that you actually believe in Christ. Um, and so because we call it a free gift, right? Right. The gift is holy. Absolutely. Right. And so that's why you call it the gift of salvation. But you had some people, these Judaizers here, that were um, trying to... Uh, you know, trying to drag Paul through the mud. And, of course, Paul was used to that kind of stuff. Uh, He was used to suffering for the cause of Christ. He was used to having a hard time, just like Jesus did. Um, I don't know how many of us would be wanting to go through the same trials that Paul did, being dragged through the mud in some of these other times. And and so as you read through, what happens is that... um, chapter 1 kind of starts out with an accusation against these, these religious leaders saying to Paul, Paul's surprised how, how, how so quickly these believers, not religious leaders, these believers have gone back. And then so you get into chapter 2, and Paul starts kind of recounting some additional evidence and saying, look, you know, Barnabas was here to help me. You've got, uh, in chapter 2, verse 9, you've got uh, James, Peter, and John, recognize the gift that God had given to me, because he's talking about his ministry. Because the way that you destroy Paul is you discount or um, um, check off his ministry. Um, that's the way you discount anybody today. Oh, they're just a false teacher, so we don't follow them. And so Paul's having to combat that. And was saying, hey, no, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. You know, first of all, in verse 15 of chapter 1, God called me and chose me before I was ever born. And then he says, listen, all these other people, I went to Jerusalem and, and spoke with Peter, and he knows my heart. And he says, I spoke with other church leaders, and they know exactly what I was doing. He says, I went there to make sure that we were in agreement, that we were teaching the right gospel, the gospel that they received from Jesus. And he goes to James and to Peter and John chapter 2, verse 9, and Barnabas as well. And they encouraged us to keep preaching to the Gentiles while they continued to work with the Jews, chapter 2, Verse 9.
1: And that's the key right there, because Paul said that that I might preach him among Mm. the Gentiles. And then in chapter 2, when they saw that the gospel for the uncircumcised, which would be (laughs) Gentiles, had been committed to me as the gospel for the circumcised, the Jewish was to to Peter. So it's this matter of Jew and Gentile. You know, they they did not want the Gentiles to to come into this one body called the church. And it's a big deal, this thing, circumcision, specifically as you get into the rest of the book. But Paul was preached the gospel to the Gentiles.
0: And we know that, you know, priority to the Jews first was even something that Jesus said in Matthew uh, I think it's fourteen or fifteen yes. when he's talking to the Gentile woman who doesn't want, uh, yeah. who wants uh, to be healed or healed. Uh, there's a demon-possessed daughter of hers that he wants right. to be cast out, and Jesus says, "Well, I'm only sent to the lost sheep of Israel." Right. Um, but yet at the end, he heals the woman. Then at the end, if you follow that text, a couple more passages later, uh, Jesus now is going to a bigger Gentile audience. It's almost like, yeah, the Jews had priority first because that's in the Old Testament, but it didn't mean that they're going to forget about the Gentiles. And as the rejection of Jesus kind of became a bigger and bigger emphasis in Matthew or in all the Gospels, then you see this slow transition to God using the church and God using or the gospel going to the Gentiles. Of course, that was always the plan, and Paul says that through Abraham. It was always the plan back in Genesis 12 for Absolutely. God to bless the entire world, world. through Abraham. Um, so you have uh, just some issue here with this, and I think it's part of this whole transition of getting people to understand in the first century um, that Jesus was the fulfillment, Jesus what was looking forward to. And, of course, if you didn't believe that Jesus was the Messiah, the one who is to come, then, of course, you're going to have problems trying to connect things right? um, because you're still looking for the Messiah to complete (laughs) the law. And and Paul's saying he's already come. He's already completed it, so to speak. And so if you don't believe he's coming in the first place or Jesus is actually the one, like your common Jewish person today would who doesn't believe in Jesus, then you're still living under the law makes sense. That's why all the Jewish people today still follow law so strictly. It's because they're still waiting for the Messiah to come to complete that law, right. to finish it. Right. And so, you know, so as Paul goes through here, and, and, and again, you'll get a lot more. I mean, there's there's so much here that, you know, it's hard for us to discuss.
1: Yeah. Chapter 2, verse 2, he says, and I went up by revelation and communicated to them the gospel which I preached among the Gentiles. Mm-hmm. And when they begin to read Galatians and see the word Gentiles, oh, yeah. when you go back to the book of Romans over yeah. and over and over again, the Gentiles, they were grafted in.
0: Yeah. Uh, and it's the same guy because chapter 2, verse 8, it says, For the same God who worked through Peter as the apostle to the Jews also worked through me as the apostle to the Gentiles. Mm-hmm. Again, it's connecting what Peter would say later on as well. Um, and as 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 Peter kind of brings a report in Acts eleven of what right. God did through him, right. you know he's connecting both things here. Um, so as it kind of goes down through chapter two, you kind of get some of these these ideas. Again, they're still trying to oppose them, um, and, and Paul's talking about. Um, of course, there's a famous passage here, or a famous verse. I like it in Galatians two, verse twenty. You know, my old self has been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me so i live in this earthly body by trusting in the son of god who loved me and gave himself for me but i like what the next verse says and people sometimes quote that verse and they miss the next verse chapter 2 verse 21 says i do not treat the grace of god as meaningless
1: yes i like
0: that for if i keep for if keeping the law could make us right with god then there was no need for christ to die exactly christ died in vain exactly you know. and that really that really is a good verse, and people, and I, you know, I've wondered about that, Tim, because I've wondered, chapter 2, verse 20, I hear that quoted a lot, but then they forget the better, I say it's the better verse, <laughs> but it's the rest of the verse, yeah. where he's saying, the grace of God is not meaningless, it has a purpose. If keeping the law could make us right with God, then Jesus would never have to come in the first right. place. Yeah. So obviously... The point is true that Jesus came so that we could be made right with God. The, the
1: New King James Version says, I, I do not set aside the grace of mm. God. And, that, and that's what they were doing. Uh, they were thinking that righteousness came by the, the,
0: works, by of the, the law. works of the law. So that's what goes into chapter 3 because he says, you know, and I like what he says. My translation says, chapter 3, verse 1, it says, O foolish Galatians, who has cast an evil spell on you? Yeah. It says, for the meaning of Christ's death was made as clear to you as you had seen a picture of his death on the cross. Uh, and let me ask you one question. He says, did you receive the Holy Spirit by obeying the law of Moses? Of course not. You receive the Spirit because you believe the message you heard about Christ. How foolish can you be? Pretty good argument, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Is. <laughs> After starting your Christian lives in the Spirit, why are you now trying to become perfect by your own human effort? Yep. It's kind of like, okay, you've got the Holy Spirit lives inside of you. Now you want to say, hey, let's Take out the Holy Spirit in my heart and let me live my life without his help because I can do better living my life without his help. Now, what kind of crazy argument is that? We need and (laughs) desperately need the Holy Spirit to help us each and every day. And we didn't get it through the works of the law. Exactly, exactly. So that kind of begs the question then, so then how was it fair in the Old Testament? If the Old Testament didn't get, if in the Old Testament through the law you didn't get the Spirit, then what was the purpose of the law and he clarifies that and he says the law was that guardian was that protector until the time when Christ would come right so even though the holy spirit didn't function in the old testament as he does today in dwelling on he still was yes. there He still came upon people to do great works. I mean, think of Samson. He came upon Samson to do great works. But now he's with us. Permanently. Yeah, exactly. Permanently. And he indwells us. So how is that fair? He says, what's the difference? Well, the law was a guardian. It was to, to, to protect them, to keep them safe. So even in the Old Testament, God is still the law is still a good thing because it's caring for the people. It's yes. protecting the people, yes. uh, keeping them safe, we right. might say, until the time that Christ would come. I'm, I'm yeah.
1: curious in the NLT. Let me read chapter 3, verse 8 to you from the New King James, Okay. and then you read it to us in the NLT. I, I love this verse, and it says, "...and the Scripture foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith." God foresaw, that's yep. prophesied, you know, through the Old Testament. Yep. Notice it says, preached the gospel to Abraham beforehand. You mm-hmm. know, Abraham heard the gospel.
0: So, so, so mine it, says, and of course, you know, this verse, by the way, is a direct reference to Genesis chapter right. 12, yes. to God blessing the whole world through Abraham. Um, mine says, what's more, the scriptures look forward to this time when God would declare the Gentiles to be righteous because of their faith. God proclaimed this good news to Abraham long ago when he said, all nations will be blessed through you. Yes. So all who put their faith in Christ share the same blessing received, same blessing Abraham received because of his faith. So I think sometimes the hard thing for us is to see the difference. Um, You've got the Old Testament and the New Testament, Mm. and you've got the cross of Christ in between. (laughs) We look back at the cross, you know, Believing what Christ did for us, and we accept his free gift of salvation because in our time it's past, it's a past event. And we look forward to the future when Jesus will return and we'll be in heaven with him. (laughs) Well, in the Old Testament, you know, Christ hadn't been even brought onto the scene yet in the in our timeline or in human timeline. And so they had to look forward to the day when Christ would be crucified, and would be... They were looking uh, for Messiah. Looking for the perfect, yeah. yeah, Son of God. So the same way we look forward to the completion of our salvation of heaven, we have a hope based on Jesus of the one day we're going to be with Him in heaven. Well, just the same way they had a hope one day of the once and for all sacrifice of Jesus on the cross. And, of course, they look forward to it, and they died, it says, looking forward to that promise. So it's just a difference of time. I mean, they're looking forward, and we're looking back, but we're also, too, looking forward. Because we look forward to one day when Jesus will return. Well, if, if, if we die first, then we'll be with him in heaven. And uh, we have a hope. Our hope is heaven. They have a hope as well of Jesus uh, coming. And so do you think it would be easier um, as far as uh, Scripture is concerned to live in the Old Testament looking forward? Or do you think it's easier for us today to look back? Uh, What do you think?
1: Personally, it it must be easier for us because we have the entire revelation of God, the completed Bible. Um, So, so, I mean, when you think of Abraham's faith, you know, it says in all the nations shall be blessed. So then those who are of faith are blessed. And I love this. You read it with believing Abraham. Abraham heard the good news beforehand. Yeah. And believing Abraham, and uh, uh, I think how difficult it was for those who looked forward to the Messiah. They were looking for Messiah to come. You and I, thank God he has come, and we have the complete Bible. I love the Old Testament, but I'm thankful. Maybe,
0: maybe, (laughs) you know, like uh, I think it was... Bill uh, said on one of our podcasts, he's like, "Now I'd like to go out for a few days to visit the <laughs> Old Testament, but I wouldn't want to live yeah. there permanently." Right. And it's true. You think about the faith they must have had to look forward right. to it. Right. Right. Today we say it's easy, but yet today so many people don't are blinded. The gospel, yes, are blinded by Satan, are blinded by his uh, dressing up as an angel of light, um, as yep. Paul says in Corinthians. Yes, and he so, does. I don't know if I'd want to maybe like Paul's or maybe like Bill said I'd like to visit for a few days maybe but I, but I think that's about that's about all um, and so uh, it, it's connecting what what Paul's doing here is is he's connecting this law and faith in Christ he's connecting the two saying Christ is the connection to the law uh, because if Christ didn't come then what would be the purpose of putting the law into effect in the first place and uh, so he kind of goes on and, and kind of begins to talk about it um, a little more, like you get into chapter 3 and uh, verse 17. He says, this is what I'm trying to say. The agreement God made with Abraham could not be canceled 400 years, 430 years later when God gave the law to Moses. God will be breaking his promise. For if the inheritance could be received by keeping the law, then it would not be the result of accepting God's promise or yes. salvation. Yes. But God graciously gave it to Abraham as a promise. So, what he's saying is that, yeah, God gave the promise to Abraham. That was way before the law. So, God's giving of the law was not a mistake, it was right. not an oops, mm. right? You know, there was a purpose to it because the law was supposed to show a lot of things, to show man that he was sinful you know, to, to help them recognize that someone Shows would come, our sin, absolutely. Um, that someone would come later on as a once-and-for-all sacrifice. Because then he asked, in my translation, he asked the question in the next verse, in verse 19, why then was the law given? It was given alongside the promise to show people their sins. Yes. But the law was designed to last only until the coming of the child who was promised. I, I don't know how much clearer... You can get it yeah. from that verse. Why was the law given? It was given alongside the promise to show people their sins. I love the Jewishness of the New King
1: James. It said, till <laughs> the seed should come to whom the promise was made. Right. And it capitalizes the word seed, yeah. which
0: is talking about Messiah. Right, right. And mine says to, of the coming of the child who was yeah. promised. And so you see then, it was given to show people uh, their sin nature. Because even today, if a person is to accept Christ then they need to see that they need Him. They need to see that they're a sinner. Their need for a Savior.
1: Curses us, condemns us. Yeah, (laughs) and that's
0: why Paul in the book of Romans spends the first three chapters showing everybody that they are sinful before he ever gets to Romans 3.23 and says, now I have a solution to the problem and His name is Jesus. You've got to recognize that you're a sinner. Just like the law had to show the people that they are sinful and they need a sacrifice and they need to look forward to the once and for all sacrifice that would come and that would be the descendant that God promised through the line of Abraham of course Abraham goes all the way through Noah and then or not through Noah but I was thinking back to Shem yeah. is what I was thinking to Noah to Abraham to David all the way to Jesus and so that's what he's saying but there's absolutely more to this than, than what's here. Verse
1: 21 <laughs> says, for if there had been, been given a law, yeah. given which could have given life, well, he said, then righteousness would have been by the law. Right. But the Scripture has confined all under sin yeah. that the promise by faith in Christ Jesus might be given to those who believe. Yes. And so... Uh, were kept under the guard by the law. And by says. the way,
0: you know, in, 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 a very, uh, in a very subtle way, of course, Paul has been the whole time saying that the one who you were looking for in the Old Testament, it's Jesus in the New. And so what he's saying, he's saying the same thing, you see, because some of these Judaizers, again, were thinking that they were waiting for the Messiah to go, oh, I really don't believe that Jesus was the Messiah. I really don't think that he was the one. We're, let's look for someone to come. Well, Paul's saying in the Old Testament, we now know because we have the new, and we see what Jesus did. Now we can connect the two and say, this is who they were looking for. And he's connecting it all to make sense, because how in the Old Testament could a person be saved If the name of Jesus was not really ever named, you might say, well, they're looking forward to the one who would come. Yes. And and they knew that one being the perfect one, the perfect sacrifice. And today we know him by name in the sense, of course, it was the anointed one. Jesus' name means, it doesn't Christ mean anointed? Yes. Anointed, yeah. Christ, that's his messianic name. Christos, anointed. Anointed one, the anointed one. Yeah, Yeah. it's the same one. And so he's making that connection for us. Um, And so he says... Verse 23, before the way of faith in Christ was available to us, we were placed under guard by the law, again, as a protector. And and there's a whole illustration here, and I don't think we have time to get into the illustration. It's a whole illustration of how um, uh, the law helped protect and helped guard the nation of Israel. Uh, But he says, and now, verse 26, the way of faith has come. We no longer need the law as our guardian because now Jesus has come. We no longer need that Uh, laws. are God, Now we have the law of Christ, the Holy Spirit who lives inside of us, and He is the one that helps show us sin. He helps convict us. He helps lead us, guide us, and direct us. Just like the law was supposed to do in the Old Testament, we now have Jesus who lives inside of us through the Holy Spirit and gives us the direction that we need to go if we listen to him, yeah. of course you know the same thing That's is true, true in the Old Testament. They didn't have to <laughs> l- listen to the law. I mean, you, through the Old Testament, you realize they knew what the law said, but man, it seems like they didn't listen to it at all.
1: I, I love verse twenty-six, for he says, "For you are all sons of God mm. through faith in Christ Je- in Messiah." Yeah. Through faith, and then verse twenty-seven is is such a great verse, uh, such an encouraging verse. For as many of you as were baptized, not into water, but baptized into Christ, have put on Christ. So this is not water baptism. This is being placed in the body of Christ, becoming a part of the church. And that's through faith in Christ Jesus. And that's such an encouragement. And then it
0: says, verse 29, And now that you belong to Christ, you are the true children of Abraham. You are now his heirs, and God's promise to yep. Abraham belongs to you.
1: We're no longer Jew or Gentile.
0: Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, some people often ask in chapter 4, uh, you know, verse 4, you know, when the fullness of time was, was come, God sent forth his Son. Because some people ask, well, why, you know, why was God's, why why did God send Jesus into the world, you know, in the first century. Why not earlier? Why not later? Why a specific time? Well, we don't know. And honestly, there just is no reason other than this is the time that God says the time is right for me to send my son. There was no other reason. I mean, you right. can look and say, "Oh, hey, right. everybody knew the Greek language; it was easy. All lo- all roads were lead in this Rome. area lead to Rome." There's so <laughs> many other things. Yeah, you could say all that, but honestly, it says nothing about that in the text, or the verse, or the word. It just simply says that this was the time that God decided. God decided to send His Son into the world, and this was the time. So in His timetable, this was the absolute perfect time. And uh, God sent forth His Son, and subject to the law and under the law, so that He could adopt us as His very own children. Um, And again, it goes and talks talks about some more things here as well. There's a
1: rich theological truth, unless we sometimes might forget this, but when the fullness of time God had come, (laughs) God sent forth His Son, Born of a woman, and so the, there's the, the virgin birth yep. and the incarnation, yep. but born of a woman, not born of a man and a woman. And born born under of a woman, law. yes, under the
0: constraints of the yes. law as well. Yes, and, and to redeem
1: those who were under the law. Yeah, yeah, that, that we
0: might receive the adoptions of sons. So as as you kind of more in chapter four deals more with, um, you know, understanding this concept of justification by faith, understanding you know, why Jesus came into the world. It also talks a little bit about, you know, the difference between Isaac and Ishmael, and why the promise went to Isaac instead of to Ishmael. Ishmael was the firstborn son, technically, of Abraham, but God said the promise has to go through Isaac, uh, and these two Women, he says, serve as illustrations right. of, of the covenants. The first one, Hagar, being the old covenant. The second one, Isaac, being the new, new covenant. covenant. So he's making a really good illustration yeah. there if you have time yeah. to read through that. That's great. Um, but I like it when it gets into chapter 5 because it says, So Christ has truly set us free. Now make sure that you stay free and don't get tied up again in following you know, the law. Don't go back to it. Now that you're in Christ, you're free. A- and you can live in such a different way. Um, don't count on the rules of the law, don't count on circumcision, verse 2, to make you right with God, because then Christ will be of no benefit to you. Yeah. I say again, if you're trying to find favor with God by being circumcised, you must obey every regulation in the law of Moses. That's something they forgot, isn't it? If you really want to be right with God, it's not just circumcision, but it's all the laws of, of Moses, yeah. Paul was saying. It says He says, no, just get rid of that. Christ has come, He's fulfilled the law, and aren't you glad? Because, you know, some of those things in the law... That's a lot of information. Yeah. That's a lot of things to yeah. do. What you can and can't do, what you can and can't eat.
1: Pa- Paul, clean says, and unclean. Paul says, if you become circumcised, well, <laughs> Christ will profit you nothing. Yeah. And then he says, I testify to every man who becomes circumcised that he's a debtor to keep the whole law. And I love verse 4. He says, you have become estranged from Christ. Yeah. They've been bewitched from Christ. And the New King James says they've turned away from grace. They've fallen from grace. And when you go to works, you, you turn from grace. Yeah. It's all Christ. Yeah. Thank God for the grace
0: of God. Yeah, and thank God for the Holy Spirit because in the second half of chapter 5, it says, so I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. I mean, how, how simple is that? It says, then you won't be doing what the sinful nature craves, sinful nature wants to do evil, opposite of what the Spirit wants. And these two forces are constantly fighting against each other, Yeah, constantly fighting. And, you know, he says, but when you're directed by the Spirit, you're not under obligation to the law of Moses. And when you follow the desires, and he goes on, because, you know, living a Spirit-filled life is a life that produces good things. And he talks about the fruits of the Spirit, verse 22, you know, produces love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And I like it. I says, there's no law against these things, Thanks. comparing it to the old law. You know, there's no law against these things. And those who belong to Jesus have nailed these passion desires to the cross and crucified them there. And since we are living by the Spirit, let us also follow the Spirit's leading. And he says, let us, because he knows it's hard. He knows that we don't always follow the Spirit's leading every day. Yeah. And sometimes we get sidetracked. Sometimes we forget. Sometimes we're led in the opposite direction. Um, and and so it's one thing to be, have the Holy Spirit indwelling us, helping us. It's quite another thing to allow Him to lead us and guide us in our lives. Same thing with the law, right? You could know the law, you could know everything it says about the law in the Old Testament, but unless you obeyed it, it wasn't really going to help you. The Holy Spirit who lives inside of us today, He's there for our benefit, obviously, because we've accepted Christ and He indwells us. He's there to help us, to guide us, to lead us. But if we don't listen to him, then what good does it do us? Yeah, doesn't.
1: I like how he kind of juxtaposes. He uses the works of the flesh mm-hmm. yeah. are these, and then he calls the fruit of the spirit that's is. A
0: good, that's a good distinction. Works yeah. of
1: the flesh, the fruit, fruits produced because of what you are, and then it says, "But the the fruit of the spirit is." Love. If if I were writing that, I would mm-hmm. say the fruit, the fruits plural of the spirit are love. But it says specifically yeah. singular, the fruit. And I understand yeah. there's a cluster of
0: fruit. And, and mine and, says this kind of fruit, fruit this yeah. particular kind of fruit. <laughs> maybe it's different from this kind of gospel, yeah. like a different kind of gospel, like he said earlier in chapter one. Maybe that's the comparison. Yes. Um, but I mean, you, you know, obviously. We have the Spirit, and thank the Lord that we have the Spirit um, Amen. to lead us and, and to guide us. And, and you know, our time is gone, but you can read down through the rest of chapter 6. Um, and, of course, you've got some more things there, his, his final advice and final words here. I, I just like what verse 14 says in chapter 6. As for me, may I never boast about anything except the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, because of that cross, my interest in this world has been crucified, and the world's interest in me has also died.
1: Read verse 15, too. That's awesome.
0: Yeah, Yeah, It doesn't matter whether we have been circumcised or not. What counts is whether we have been transformed into a new creation. It's
1: not circumcision. It's Christ.
0: Exactly. (laughs) And I love how he says that my interest is in the cross of Christ and Jesus crucified, nothing else. And he says, I am dead to the world. The world has no benefit for me or to me or from me or with me or whatever, because I am so focused on Christ. And, and, and every day we get up, we need to make Him a priority in our lives. Every day, the Holy Spirit it wants to guide us, wants to lead us, wants to help us. We've got to listen to Him. We've Amen. got to pay attention to Him.
1: Yes sir.
0: So as you read through the book of Galatians this week, um I I challenge you. It's 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 not an easy book. Sometimes you got to slow down and focus on what it's saying. I'd encourage you to get out another translation, you know, we're reading from two different ones. Sometimes that helps you better understand some of the Absolutely. words and terminologies. Yes. You know, but I'm thankful that, you know, we don't have to follow the law anymore. We have Christ who's come and has completed that law. Man. And uh it it's 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 just a good thing to think about. Thank the Lord that we're not living in the Old Testament, you know. Again, love to go for a visit, but I don't want to live there. Maybe you might, but but I don't. Well, that's all the time we have for, for this week. Next week, we'll get into the Book of Romans. So you can get started ahead of time, if you want, reading through the Book of Romans, because we only have two weeks with that, and we're not even going to be able to touch the surface of the Book of Romans in just two weeks with two podcasts, but we'll at least get our feet wet. So join us next time. That's all for today.